You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. There are as many ideas about who Jesus was as there are people on earth. Fortunately for us, the Gospel of John tells us in his own words who Jesus said he was. Jesus said he was the bread of life, the light of the world, door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. Jesus says, I am. Good morning. What is the hardest city, most difficult city, that you've had to navigate? Maybe it's a city that you've gotten lost in, or, or you just don't understand the layout of the city. I recently read an article by Bert uh, Sperling uh, that he wrote about the hardest cities to navigate in the United States. And he said Boston is very hard to navigate because of its narrow roads. The roads were made for carriages and not for cars. Uh, another one was Washington, D.C. because of just all the traffic delays. Uh, it, there was a study done that there was 82 extra hours uh, added each year to commuters. Uh, San Francisco made the list, Baltimore made the list, uh, New York made the list. Uh, that, that was just in the top five. Uh, I read another article that said that Toronto was the hardest city to navigate in all of the world and uh, it was because of all the construction that was going on and so even though uh, you you think you're going to the right place or you're near the right place uh, you may get and you may face a detour now on the other hand San Antonio is a pretty easy city to navigate you know your loops 410 1604 you 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 know a few of the main roads I-10 and 281 and, and 35 and as long as you know those, those are some of your basic landmarks. But can I make a confession? When Julie and I were dating and we got married, I, San Antonio wasn't the easiest city for me to navigate. Yes, I knew the loops and I knew some of those main roads. Uh, but it wasn't always easy for me to know exactly where I was going. And my wife got a little frustrated with me, probably more than a little frustrated with me. Now, in fairness, she was born here in San Antonio. She was raised here, and so she knew all the roads. She knew, all, knew where to go all the time, it seemed like. But for me, I was raised in a small town in Arkansas. We didn't have this much traffic or that many roads. And then I went to college in a small town in Missouri. And then when I came to Texas, I lived out in Pipe Creek, Bandura Road area, one blinking light, not a lot of traffic, not a lot of roads to navigate. And so when I uh, moved to here to San Antonio and, and Julie and I got married, it, it was really hard for me to kind of figure out everything. And this was the days before GPS. And so with time, of course, I began to learn my way around a little bit more. But if I'm honest, my wife has a better sense of direction than I do. It just comes natural for her. For me, I'm more of a person that if I've been there once or twice, I can get it. I'm more of a landmark person. 
I, part, of, part of it is maybe the way I was raised. Uh, we didn't necessarily say road names. We'd say, hey, turn right at the mall or uh, turn left at this store or that store. And so that's kind of how I visualize when I'm driving. I kind of look for landmarks and that helps me know what direction I'm going. But Julie and I, we've kind of come up with an agreement in our marriage. Uh, she's the navigator and I'm the driver. She sleeps on most of our trips until we hit spots that I need a little help with the navigation, places such as Dallas or Houston or new places. And so we just kind of come to that agreement. For some of you, at some point in your life, you've probably had a hard time finding your way. I know there's been times in my life that I've had a hard time finding my way. We've been in a series called I Am Jesus in His Own Words, and we've been talking about the seven I Am statements. We've talked about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light. We've talked about how he says he is the resurrection and the life. And today we're going to talk about one of the statements that probably has been taken out of context the most, and one that's probably been talked about the most. We'll see that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to, to really dig in and look at the context of this scripture because many times when people quote this scripture, and they, they mean it this way, whether they mean it or they say it this way, is that you need to believe in Jesus and you need to believe exactly what I believe about Jesus or you're going to hell. That's how sometimes this verse is used. It's almost like, hey, you need to believe exactly what I believe about Jesus or you're out. You're going to hell. And so as we dig into the scripture, I want us to kind of look at the context. We believe that context is key. We believe it's important to read before and after and try to understand what's going on. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 13 and 14. That way we can get the context. And we're going to see that in this scripture where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, that this is actually a farewell address. And that Jesus' time on this earth is coming to an end and he's letting his disciples know about this. If you look at John 13, verses 21 to 30, uh, we're going to see Judas's betrayal, or we're going to be, be told about Judas's betrayal. We're going to see all of this being set into motion. And then if you look at John 13, starting at verse 33, it says this, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I, have, uh, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't, you you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you and you should love each other and your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Man, you, you've got to love Peter. You've got to love Peter. I mean, he just has this eagerness. But Jesus says, I'm leaving, and, and Peter doesn't understand what's going on. I don't think the other disciples understand what's going on. Well, we'll see later in this passage that, uh, that uh, Jesus also says, Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times. But the disciples, they're disoriented. Uh, panics began to set in. There's some confusion. There's some fear there. And so as we began John 14, we have to keep this in mind. Uh, again, this is a farewell address. 
John 14, verse 1, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This setting is not a public debate or an argument. Uh, This is a very emotional exchange. Uh, Picture yourself talking to family and friends before you're about to die. Like family and friends have been called in and you're saying some last words to them. And what Jesus here is trying to do is he's trying to reassure his disciples. He's like, don't worry. Don't be anxious. You don't have to worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And here's why. Look at verse 2. He says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know the way where I'm going. Hey, the place. There's many rooms where I'm going. There's a place for you. You have a room. And this will be your home. I may be leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's better than what you could ever imagine. The best vacation spot that you've ever seen or been to. It's better than that. Not only this, but he says, I will come and get you. Yes, I'm going to be gone for a while, but I will come and get you. I haven't forgotten about you. We'll always be together. And then he says, you know the way, the way that I'm going. Verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Notice this. We see a shift from a place to a person. In this dialogue, privately among close friends, Jesus is trying to comfort Thomas and the disciples. The disciples are confused and they're uncertain. I think they have anxiety. I think they have fears. Maybe they even feel lost. And what Jesus is saying, when, when when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, these are not fighting words. These are words of comfort. Jesus is saying the way isn't a path to walk, but a person to trust. And he said, the truth is found in me. The life is, life is found in me. And the disciples are bombarded with all of these messages to decipher what's true and what is the meaning of life. And Jesus says, look no further. I'm enough. You can trust me. See, the way, the truth, the life isn't a system. It isn't just a worldview. It isn't just a philosophy. It's a relationship. If you keep on reading verses 7 to 11... Jesus says he's more than a teacher. Verse 7, he says, If you have really known me, you would know who my father is. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the father. We'll be satisfied. Verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been, have I been with you all this time, Philip? Yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you. Despite the disciples being with Jesus all of this time, they're still struggling to realize who Jesus is. Philip's question reminds us of Moses' request back in Exodus. If you turn to your Bibles in Exodus chapter 33, 
Moses was having this conversation with God, and Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Verse 18, he says this, show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. And as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide in the crevice of the rock and cover, and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Jesus, in this passage, I believe he's saying, the search is over. I am Messiah. I am God. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ says, I am the invisible image, or I am the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. See, this passage is so comforting to the disciples. Hey, you have found the way. You have found the truth. You have found the life. I'm it. Can I take just a few moments to get a little devotional with you as we examine this statement? First of all, I want to point out that we need to know the life because we're all dying. We're all dying. And we've talked about this in a series already. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus shows us the path to eternal life. It's through him. It's through him. Secondly, we need to know the truth because we all believe lies at times. We can all fall for lies at times. It's easy to believe things will never get better. It's easy to believe that life is going to end, that everything is terrible, and, and, and life is just so miserable that everyone is out to get us. We can get paranoid because we hear all of these messages. And we, we can believe the message that you're a failure, that you're worthless. The, the world is screaming all of these messages at us, and Jesus is saying, don't listen to these lies. I am the truth. I am in the truth, and the truth sets us free from the bondage of these lies. And guess what? You are not a failure. You may fail, but you're not a failure. That's not your identity. The Bible says that you're a child of God, that you are loved, that God is crazy about you, that my peace and joy doesn't come from my circumstances, but it comes from a relationship with God. And in times of trouble, let's talk and listen to his truth. Let's find our truth in him. Thirdly, we need to know that the way, we need to know the way because we all get lost. Not just driving, not just navigating a city, but sometimes we lose our way. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we get uh, distracted by our worries and our anxiety. Sometimes it's by busyness. Sometimes it's just by everything that's going on in life. And the next thing you know, we end up in a ditch and we've lost our way. Sometimes we go our way instead of God's way. And some of you right now, you're lost and wandering. You're circling and you're, you're off track. You're burdened down. And Jesus says, trust me. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. I, I was reading an article recently that was talking about what do you do when you get lost hiking? And they said you need to do four things. First of all, stop. Stay calm and, and realize that you're lost. Secondly, think. Think about how you got to where you're at. Thirdly, observe. Get out your compass and try to look at your surroundings and figure out where you're at. And, and then fourthly, plan. plan. Come up with a plan of how to get unlost. And, and could I encourage you right now? Would you stop and, and observe and say, you know, am I lost? Am I off track right now? Am I in the ditch? Well, would you think about how you got here? What maybe led you off track? And then observe. Get your compass out. We call that our Bible. Talk to God. Read his scripture. And then begin to come up with a plan to get back on track. And one of the best ways, I think, to get back on track is also to find community. Find some people that can encourage you in your walk. That might be joining a life group. That might be joining a Sunday morning class. That may be making a commitment to, to worship on a regular basis. Maybe you've been worshiping occasionally and God's putting on your heart. Like, you know, I need to be around a faith community. That may be reading a devotion, reading the Bible with someone. Can I just encourage you to get on track? Let me end with this. We are all going away. Sometimes it's our way and sometimes it's God's way. And I want to ask you, which way are you going? Are you trusting in God? The early church in Acts, they were called the way. And we need to ask ourselves, are we pointing people to the way? Are we pointing people to Christ? 